Welcome to Bible study. It's good to be here for finishing your race. And we're going to be in the last chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And the theme of this Bible study is that you can only win if you finish. You can only win if you finish. There was a movie called The Chariots of Fire and one of the runners depicted in the movie named Harold Abrahams, he got kind of discouraged because he came in second place and he said, if I can't win, I won't run. And his friend sitting next to him said, if you don't run, you can't win. And running our race is important, but finishing our race is even more important. You can't win if you don't finish. So to finishing your race, the important theme of the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy is finishing our race. And the last chapter of 2 Timothy is kind of a summary of the whole book. Paul is writing to that preacher named Timothy. And we always talk about Timothy as being a young preacher. We don't know actually how young he was. But he was not inexperienced as a preacher. Timothy was a veteran preacher. And Paul was exhorting Timothy to finish his race. 2020 is drawing to an end. And Paul's ministry was drawing to an end in 2020. Uh, We've only got a few days left. Well, we don't know how long we're going to live, but really it's not how long you live, but it's how well we live that counts. So we're dealing with, you can only win if you finish. You know, a lot of people start a race and they get disqualified. Why? Because they don't, it's called, uh, uh, they did not finish, DNF or something like that. You have to cross that finish line. 2 Timothy chapter 4 You can only win if you finish. So a broccoli, a tomato, and a yam were running in a race. This happens all the time. So the broccoli got off to a great start, but being a green runner, you know, didn't have enough stamina to finish the race. The yam and the tomato were neck and neck for the first mile, but the tomato kind of fell behind. Kind of out of shape, right? Kind of round. The yam was about to reach the end of the race when the, t- the yam collapsed from exhaustion right in front of the finish line. Boom! The yam just fell over. Over the course of the next hour, the tomato, which was far behind, kind of you know, ran over the finish line and, and won the race. Well, why did the why did tomato win? What was the strategy? The tomato paced himself. <laughs> Yeah, that's bad, but have a better one. This guy said, I can never take my dog to the park. You know you take your dog to the park, let him run. He said, whenever I take my dog to the park, the ducks at the park, because there's a little pond there, the ducks literally race over and bite my dog. Like it's a race. And the man kind of shook his head. He said, I guess that's what I get for buying a purebred dog. What do you feel? Anyway. So, we're going to look with chapter, chapter 4, 2 Timothy, if you get a purebred dog. 
verse 1, there's a charge. And I know it's got a different meaning, but it really spoke to my heart, this word charge. is what you say when you're going forward. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, because God the Father is not Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is not the Holy Ghost. They're all God. They're one in uh, purpose. They're one in, God, in the Godhead. They're one in divinity, but they're different persons in the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Who shall judge the quick, the living, and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom? So there's two classes that are going to be judged. <laughs> Everybody, right? The living and the dead. And you could take that different ways, but uh, the, the Christians are going to be judged. We're all going to be judged. Even you and I. We're going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Say, preacher, why are we judged there? For your reward. So what about my sin? Well, your sin was judged at the cross. So we're not going to be judged on whether we make it into heaven. You're not going to have to answer three questions with Peter at the pearly gates with all the jokes. But you're going to be judged at the cross. That's why we preach the gospel that we judge men's sin. It's like a court. Have you ever thought about that? That, that, that church service is actually like court. You're judging, you're getting your sins judged at the foot of the cross before you die. And that's the key. That's why preachers, they, they talk to people before they die. They want their judgment to take place right here. I don't know about you. I'm thankful that I had my sins judged already. But it said it's all, he's also going to judge the dead. Well, there's going to be a time and it's in the book of Revelation that the dead and hell are going to be raised up and stand before the great white throne judgment. And the books are going to be opened. And whosoever is not found in the book of life, they're going to be cast. See, people say, well, you go to hell forever. You don't. You go to hell until you get judged. And then if you're not found in the Lamb's book of life, you're going to be cast into a lake of fire. I don't want to be there. Have you ever burned yourself? I mean, you turn the shower on too hot. You get like, ah! I mean, and that's like, what? 0.2 seconds, right? Well, I don't want to live in that. And that's a reality. And I, I, I don't, I'd rather go to heaven. I don't know if there's going to be air conditioning, but I, I want to be where Jesus is. Amen. But this word charge, it kind of spoke to me in a little bit different. Uh, I remember this one guy, he was uh, singing a song and he said, my heart is bursting with praise. And uh, when we say charge, we're thinking of like going forward, like running a race. In Psalms 119 and verse 32, that's kind of the key. Psalms 119 and verse 32. The, the psalmist David said, I will run the way of thy commandments. I'll run. When? When thou shalt enlarge my heart. When my heart gets big, man, when you've ever just had like something just grow inside of you, you, get it, you watch a karate movie and you want to do a bunch of karate years like, Karate! Why? And because you watch a karate movie, so you're going kick it. That's what I used to do as a kid. I'd be going doing karate. I didn't know anything, but I watched a karate movie and I was excited about karate. Well, when when your heart bursts with God and all of His goodness, you just want to run for Jesus. I remember uh, to give you an illustration when I was living in in Hong Kong. I was a senior in high school. Had my own bathroom in my bed, you know, next to my bedroom, which was really cool, right? My own shower and everything. And uh, 
my grandparents stayed in my room. And I've shared this before. Well, the grandparents left the grandparents' stuff. Alka-Seltzer, right? So they left some Alka-Seltzer. You know what Alka-Seltzer is? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. So you drop these tablets inside some water and they fizz. Or you could unwrap a bunch of tablets, stick them in your mouth, and look in the mirror. And that's what I did. See, what happens? Well, they react with water. So they react with the saliva in your mouth. And so I saw my cheeks begin to get bigger and bigger as the Alka-Seltzer tablets. You're probably not supposed to do that. So, and then after a while, it burst and it just came right open and it went all over the place and the foam came out and everything. It's what boys do, right? But when you have an excitement of God just bursting forward, man, no one has to tell you to read your Bible when you're excited about God. And that's what we need for God to enlarge our heart so that we can do what God wants us to do, run the race. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let's just look at verse 1. When you run, have you ever seen someone training, they wear these weight vests, and they're filled with sand, they have pockets filled with sand? So they weigh 20 pounds. One of my neighbors runs with one. And uh, they're, they're, they're there to build up your endurance. And you train with them. And athletes would train with weights on. And uh, I think we would even, you know, you know, people when they were swimming, training, they would wear drag suits that would cause extra drag. It's like a weight. But in the ancient Olympics, when you ran... Nothing hindered you, okay? These guys, there were no women that ran in the ancient Olympics. It was men, but they wore a special type of suit. It was called the birthday suit. So that's how they ran. Don't try to look pictures up of it, okay? It was just exactly what happened, right? And uh, so they would take everything off to run that race so nothing would weigh them down. And Paul, or the writer in Hebrews, is saying spiritually in our Christian race, Let's lay aside all those things that keep us down. Let's lay aside also the sins. Let's lay, because they'll, they'll beset us. They'll take us out of the race and run this race with patience. Verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Talk to yourself. Have you ever talked to yourself before? I've talked. I've had a conversation with myself. Have you ever done that? I, it's, it's actually not... Not crazy. Just make sure that no one's watching you, right? I remember one time, this, the devil was lying to me. Has he ever lied to you before? And I had this crazy thought in my head. And I stopped at this stoplight and I, and I told the devil what to do. I said, devil, get out of my truck. Well, as soon as I said that, someone else had pulled up. And they looked at me like I was crazy. Because, I mean, the devil, you couldn't see him right there. But I told him, get out. I heard one preacher, he said, uh, he said, devil, get out. He said, no, wait, wait. And he sped up, you know, in his car. He was just having fun. He goes, now get out. And he said he pictured the devil like flipping down the road. Well, the Bible says, preach the word. Use the word of God. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke. That means correct. But then exhort, encourage. Man, I love to be encouraged. You ever been to a race and you see people encouraging? I think in Seattle they call it the 12th man. Have you heard that? Because there's 11 football players 
on the field. The 12th man on the field is the, uh, the spectators. And they're like, come on, come on. Have you ever heard someone like saying you can do it and it kind of fires you up? Well, a pastor is really supposed to do that. They're supposed to encourage people like, brother, sister, you can do it. I remember that there was a brother, he's a minister now, and he was here in the Marine Corps. And he called me up and he said, sir, he was at Blunt Island, which is a long way from here. It's like an hour. But he came to church like every service, every service. And in fact, I used to call him uh, reverend. Why? Because he acted like a preacher and he is now. But he said, sir, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm a long way away. And I said, you know what, brother? Now, no offense, okay, from what I'm about to say. I said, brother, if you were in the army, I'd understand that. But you're a Marine. Guess what? He made it. But you know what you're doing? You're, ex- you're just kind of firing people up. And sometimes we forget what we can do. So preach the word. That's the answer. So preacher, I'm, I'm, I'm discouraged. Well, come to church and let someone preach the word. Uh, listen, read your Bible and read it out loud and preach to yourself. Preach to yourself. Preach the word. Speak the word. Verses 3 to 4. Some people don't want this kind of cheering. They want the wrong kind of cheering. So verse 3 to 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That's teaching. But after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Have you ever wanted to scratch an itch and you can't reach it so you get someone else to do it for you? It's good if you're married. You can like, honey, can you reach back here? Thank you, Jesus. You know, the right person to scratch the itch. And the Bible said they'll turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. You know, a lot of news is like that. You read that, the news is just repeated what someone else said. Or it's copy and paste, copy and paste. It's like an echo chamber. But there's going to be people like, eh, I don't like what the gospel says. I'm going to go over to here. They, they call it the gospel too, but they can do whatever they want. You know, I remember, you know, the truth is not fun sometimes. But you know what the truth is? It's the truth. If the Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You know, that's true, but I was at this air show, and I like doing pull-ups at those pull-up bars where the Marine Corps recruits people, because you can get a free t-shirt if you do like 20 pull-ups. So I went up and I did, I said, are you going to, you know, count for me or whatever? And the guy never said it out loud. So I went and did like 25, and I got down, getting ready to get my free t-shirt, and he goes, no. And I said, what? I said, I did like 25. He said, no, you only did like seven. I said, what? And I know I, I know I did 25. He said, you didn't go all the way down. So, you know, you're just kind of half doing pull-ups. And he was a Marine, and he's like, I'm not counting those. And I'm a civilian. Guess what? I was not happy. You remember that? So I walked away. What, what was it? The man was right. Now, he should have counted, but he was right. You see, we don't like the truth. The, the gospel gets under your skin. You're never going to get to a place where you go to the church and like, oh, nothing affects me. I'm good. No, the gospel always affects you. So I walked away in a huff like Naaman. You know, when he was told to dip seven times, I was like, Ugh! and I walked away and my wife was trying to counsel me like, oh, honey, that's okay. That's okay. So what'd you do? I waited a little while and I went back and I made sure I went all the way down and I got my t-shirt. You know, but that's what we need. We need, we don't need to just reset the bar or change the rules. 
We just need to do it the right way. Why? Because the gospel still works. Repentance works. The baptism of the Holy Ghost works. The Bible works. Prayer works. It still works. God still works. God's way. Finishing your race. The only way to win is to finish. Verse 5. Endurance. Endurance. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. You ever heard about Chinese bamboo? It's so old, but it's such a good illustration. So you plant the bamboo and you water it. And in the first year, nothing happens. And in the second year, nothing happens. You're like, throw this junk out. Third year, nothing happens. Fourth year, zip. Fifth year, in the space of six weeks, it grows to like 80 feet. It's like, well, preacher, was it broken for four years? You know what was happening in the first four years? They're called rhizomes, but they're basically roots, right? So in the first four years, it was growing, but you just couldn't see it. And it was growing down to support this 80-foot tree that's going to grow up, right? Well, you couldn't see the growth, but just because you don't see something happening doesn't mean... So I preach, I'm going to church and there's no change. No, every time you say no to sin... You're getting stronger. You're building your foundation. Every time you don't click on that clickbait, you're getting stronger. Every time you read your Bible, you're getting stronger. So preach it, but it doesn't look like it. There's going to come a time when you're going to, you know, just hit this growth spurt. And it's going to really happen. And people are going to be like, wow, I didn't know that you had it in you. But it's been growing for so long. It's just, it was building up your endurance. The Bible says, I like this, but beloved, it's in Jude chapter 1, verse 20. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's something that Christians can do. That means speaking in tongues. So what is that? It's a feature of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's available to everybody. Do it. Build up your endurance. So a father was reading the word of, uh, a reading, um, his son a bedtime story and it was about the tortoise and the hare right you ever heard that story and then he goes like dad i've heard this story before the hare takes a nap the tortoise overtakes him the dad says oh no the hare made it to the finish line first the son's like what he said of course you don't think the hare is so stupid as to take a rest in the middle of a race do you and the son's like oh so the moral is be as swift as the hare no the dad said because the eagle went at, by after the race and the hare was too tired from the race, and the eagle went and caught the hare and ate him. What? Yeah, and the tortoise laughed quietly as his plan to the his plan to the end. And he ended all the hares bragging, and it succeeded brilliantly. So the tortoise, the moral is, be as devious as the tortoise. And the dad said, no. The eagle came back and ate him too. And the son said, what? He said, yes. And the dad said, now what's the real moral here? And the, the child said, be the eagle? And the dad said, exactly. Good night. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 29 to 31. He giveth power, he giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord 
shall renew their strength. If your strength is getting down, wait on the Lord. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. That's what I need. And that's what God wants us to do. Be an eagle. And so how am I going to do that? It takes God to serve God. (laughs) Verses 6 to 8. Good example to show us how to finish. Paul said, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. His plane was not leaving. His head was getting ready to leave. That's what was going to happen. Now notice what he said. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I finished my race, Timothy. I have kept the faith. I like what he said in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. He said, just in part, in part, he said, so that I might finish my course with joy. That's what I want to do. If you're all still around and I'm in a hospital bed somewhere down the road, I want to, I want to just be there smiling, unless my face is messed up in an accident. Or just smiling and having the joy of God because my wife's like, oh, don't change your face, right? But that you don't control all these things. But I want to have the joy of the Lord. Why? I don't want to finish going, man, it was so hard. I love serving God. And it's awesome to serve God. And uh, verse 8 says, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You know there's a reward in heaven? Which the Lord, the righteous judge, he shall, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that also, also that love his appearing. There's a reward in heaven. Don't give up that reward for something down here. Verses 9 to 11, we have some other runners, right? So uh, first, Paul says to Timothy, hey, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Paul had some more things to discuss with Timothy. But look at verse 10. There's a disqualified runner. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. It took him away from the gospel race. And is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Now Demas is mentioned in Philemon and Colossians. So he was, he was like one of the traveling party. He's mentioned in two other places. And, you know, a lot of times it, would, it probably got hard on the missionary tour. It got hard serving God. But you know what? When I got married, did you ever get married and you said like, in sickness and in health. Oh, I do. For rich or for poor, I do. You make all of these promises when you get married. You have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, but I'm in so much in love. I do, preacher. You know what? When I got saved, I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea when I was called to the ministry, the sacrifices that I was getting. I had no idea. But you know what? When it came time, I just made the choice. To keep going. And you know, in a lot of marriages, you can, make a cho- you can make a choice. This is too hard. Or you can make a choice to say, you know what? We're going to stick it out. My marriage, we were like bamboo. We stunk for like years. And finally, we just started growing. Man. So this is awesome. It's like I got a new girlfriend, but it's my wife. Okay, so, so don't give up. It can get better. But it took a lot of endurance. Okay, and not just... It took about learning what we're doing, so... But when uh, I, I see people, a lot of times they'll ask me, they'll say, are you still preaching? If they haven't seen me for a while, that's what they'll ask me. Because a lot of people, they start, but they quit preaching. Oh, yeah, you know, and they might understand it, but what they really want to say is, is God real in your life still? Because the one you used to preach about is dealing with my heart 
And I hope that you're still serving God because I need him to be real for me. Serving God, you got to finish the race. I intend to finish. I don't intend it to be easy, but that's okay. It's kind of fun. So uh, verse 11, only Luke is with me. It says, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Who's Mark? Well, we found that uh, he left in Acts chapter 13, verse 13. He left. He abandoned Paul and uh, went to Jerusalem. So in the second missionary journey, Paul didn't want to take him. He was no good because he wasn't trustworthy. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why he went back, but there came a time when God brought him back in. You know, if we mess up, God can restore us. How do you know that he restored Mark? Have you read the gospel according to Mark? So God still used Mark. God even used him to write a gospel. What about Peter? He denied Christ. God used him. He brought him back. And he used him to write two epistles that we uh, have in the word of God. So God can restore us. And if you get knocked down, get back up and keep running. God's a restoring God. So in verse 12, And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with these, probably cold, and the books, but especially the apartments. Bring the word of God. Bring the, uh, the, 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 uh, the text of the word of God. Verse 14 to 15, there's obstacles in the race. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. Now you wonder why he was a coppersmith. He might, he might have been making idols. So if you make idols, you don't want people preaching about Jesus because it messes up the idol trade. You're not going to buy as many as many idols. It said, The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou where also, for he greatly withstood our words. Sometimes you're going to have people that fight the work of God. That's okay. Let them do their job. Don't focus on them. Focus on Jesus. Keep running your race. At my first answer or my first trial before Caesar, no man stood with me. So all of Paul's friends abandoned him in his first trial. Now, sometimes your friends do that and it's no fun, but... uh, he said, but I pray that God, that it not be laid to their charge. No, notice what he said. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. There's Paul being that eagle. That by me, the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now he salutes some fellow runners. Salute Prisha. And Aquila, uh, those are the married couple that are always mentioned together. Always. They're always hanging out. Okay. And the household of Omnisiphorus, Erastus abode at Corinth. But Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Christians do get sick, and it's not a sin to get sick. Okay. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee and Pudens and Linus from the peanuts. Right. And Claudia... And all the brethren, the Lord Jesus Christ, be with thy spirit. And then he says, grace be with you. Amen. So where, do, where does our race end? Where does our race end? Well, you know, it's interesting. The 1908 Olympics in London, they had a marathon. And marathons were typically, the original one was about 40 kilometers or 25 miles. Well, in the Olympics in 1908, they stretched it to 26.2 miles, which is what it is today. Well, why did they do that? Well, it was in London, and they wanted it to start at Windsor Castle, reportedly so the little kids could see the race start from the nursery, right? So they stretched it a mile to Windsor Castle so the royal family could see the race start. 
And then they stretched it another point two miles, 385 yards, so that it would end right at the viewing box of the royal family. They didn't want to move, so they wanted the race to move to them, right? So uh, you would end right by the queen. And I thought, well, how does the Christian race end? It ends, what's the grandstand? The grandstand is where that, the view, the commands the best view from the spectators or the media. It's the seating area in a, in a stadium. And I thought about that. So where does my race end? Well, whenever God says, as your time is done here. And I thought about the marathon. It ended at the royal family's grandstand. And I thought about our race as, as a Christian. Where does it end, preacher? Well, down here, there's a song or a chorus that we sing. And uh, it's called, uh, I Must Run On. Have you ever heard of that? And I'd like to end with that. So think about finishing your race. And it said, I must run on in this Christian race. I must run on until I see God's face. I must run on through the storm and the rain. I must run on, though in sorrow and pain. I must run on, though I lose my best friend. I must run on. I'll know I'll win in the end. Now, what's the chorus say? Well, among those seated in that grandstand. It makes a, it's a big difference. That's where the marathon ended. The prophets and the apostles who've gone to that land. I see Enoch and Noah who walk with God. David with his harp, his staff, and his rod. All the tribes of Israel who crossed the Red Sea. Moses, Aaron, and Joshua are burdened for me. The saints above by faith I can see. At heaven's grandstand, can you picture them? They're beckoning me, shouting, Come on! You can make it if you try. Shouting, Come on, sin and Satan defy, shouting, come on. You're nearing your goal, shouting, come on and find rest for your soul. Shouting, come on and meet your loved ones who've gone. Aren't you looking forward to meeting some loved ones who've gone to heaven? Shouting, come on around the great white throne. And then it said, with wings on my feet and fire in my bones. I like that. I'm going to run until I hear him say well done. Father, we've preached, or we well, we really have had a preaching Bible study. God, bless the hearers of this word. God, let us make up in our mind to run the race till the end because we can win if we finish in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.